commence primary ignition. This is Star Wars. Look out! You may fire when ready. From the bright center of the galaxy, I'm Grex Kondak, and you're listening to Core World News, your holiday news show for in-depth coverage and analysis for the latest stories from around the galaxy. Welcome to our celebratory May the 4th News Roundup cast. But first, Taika Waititi will direct and co-write a live-action Star Wars film. Academy Award nominee Christy Wilson-Carnes joins him to pen the script. Now for your host, Ben Granted Adam, to discuss. All right. Thank you very much, Grex. And may the 4th be with all of you. Um, yeah. It is May the 4th, um, and it's a lovely day. I hope you had a lovely Star Wars-filled day. Uh, I'm not sure when you'll be hearing it. It'll probably be coming out uh, at the end of it. Um, so we just wanted to gather up all of the news items uh, that happened today, and there was a bunch, um, and talk about them all uh, right now uh, while they're fresh. Yeah, I seem to recall someone on the text around maybe noon today saying, guys, I think it's going to be a slow news day. Does anyone remember that text? <laughs> no. And then, no, I, and I, was, and then I was working all day, getting a chance to look at anything. I looked down and I had missed 68 texts. <laughs> so I'm like, well, either something has happened or someone had an opinion about a Star Wars movie. I don't know which one. And then I fired up the old laptop and saw that Taika Waititi was, was uh, doing his thing. Which when did, when did yeah. that story drop? Was that noon? It was around like noon, right? Like later in the day. Yeah, it was. It was later. It was. It was probably nine o'clock. Um, it's probably nine a.m. Uh, you know, Pacific time, which is probably why we got it over here on the East Coast a little later. Um, I don't have a ton to say because we have been saying this <laughs> and asking for this since probably Thor Ragnarok, right? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. You know, I, I, it's, yeah. it's just been it's almost crazy that he hasn't been involved in a lot in a you know a bigger you know feature uh you know feature length film uh yet he's i mean obviously he's done the mandalorian and that work is incredible but i just can't wait to see this like a film i, I would love yeah. it to be a series of films honestly i think Ty, it's in good hands with taika i think you're getting he knows that the balance of of series of, of how star wars needs to take itself seriously but also that comedy needs to be, you know, interjected, but you know, in between scenes and in the even in the action. I think John Favreau, if you the Disney Gallery piece, if you guys watched that, he talks about how Taika can just find that comedy in the moment. He can find that bombastic nature to the action, and then also find the comedic beats as he goes. And I'm like, that's exactly what we need. We need yeah, that totally. sort of a writer for Star Wars. And JJ and Ryan did this, but I feel like Taika is a perfect suitor for that sort of style. I think yeah. that was my favorite quote from that series. So this is the the brand new series. It's a behind the scenes sort of series called uh, the Disney Gallery, and this is the Mandalorian episode one. is simply titled the Directors, and it has a roundtable of all the directors sitting there talking uh, to each other, which is fun. And then um, and then they they pull them apart individually and had do some behind the scenes stuff there too. So, but uh, the, yeah, definitely the Taika line he says. About how it's like it's funny, but we're not laughing at the story. Yeah, something yeah. like it, like something to that yeah. effect. He's like, we're not laughing at it. It's like it's just incidentally funny. Like those beats, and they they showed some great examples in that cut, where just like you know, IG eighty eight drive riding through the town, blowing stormtroopers away. It could be pretty pedestrian. Yeah. He made it kind of funny. Like yeah. they didn't see it coming, and obviously the scout troopers at the beginning of the episode was hilarious yeah it's hilarious. true and i mean if taika excels at, at one thing it's it's that right it's like fine it, it's 
I think that's his superpower. It's like that's what he. Yeah, there's a crux. If you watch any of his like original films, except maybe what we do in the shadows, which I love, but this what what I'm about to say is not hold true for that one, is that there's a it's a most of those movies are dramas yeah. with a lot of comedy in them, like like um, Hunt for the Wilder People, uh, Boy, right? These are amazing films, and I watched Boy for the first time two weeks ago, which I think was his second film, but kind of his first film with um, a little bit of money. Um, and not a lot, but you could tell it wasn't shot with like, you know, it was shot with an actual camera and actually got some funding through New Zealand to do it. But like that movie is, is really like the, the themes in it are very dramatic. It's about, it's about abandonment. It's about, uh, you know, father not being there, a father learning to be a father and not wanting to be a father, like really heavy themes and really like some sad, sad moments in that film where I, I, I teared up, but also some of the funniest things, but it never felt, it always felt organic and part of the story. Like, cause like, People are funny, even in our worst moments, even the, even in our saddest moments, we are funny things, right? And I think Taika finds that, and and I, and I think that last episode of Mandalorian really demonstrated that. Yeah, even going back to Eagle vs. Shark, uh, mm-hmm. one of his early, earlier films, I mean, he, he wrote on that, and uh, it is just... It just encapsulates every aspect of the kind of a relationship with someone. And he just he's, he's a master at writing romance and relationships and, and the lack thereof romance. Like, it just... It, it's a really good movie. I think he gets, uh, I think gets relationships. I think he yeah. gets comedy. I think he gets action. I think what more could, what more could you want from, the, uh, from a director? And, uh, but he, he's not alone on this. He's, uh, um, Christy Wilson Karn is joining him. Uh, she recently worked on 1917. Uh, you were, you were, you were saying Adam, uh, she also worked on, um, last night in Soho. Yeah. Which is Edgar Wright's new film. It's not out yet, but, um, we're very excited for it. Edgar, I love Edgar Wright and, and like his Cornetto trilogy, uh, you know, which was Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz. And then um, the um, uh, the World's End um, are, yeah, are really amazing. And the World's End is um, I will always suggest that people watch that at least three times. OK, gets, I think I've it, only watched it twice. So I got it gets a lot better with each viewing. But also, I don't like to force people to watch something numerous times. But I can I can tell you that, like, it's it definitely anyway. But. Those those movies, as well as like Baby Driver, are scripted uh, to like an inch of their life in a good way. Like every single line has a purpose. Right. And like if you look at Baby Driver, it's it's even more it's even more amazing because like every single shot has a purpose. Like that movie is a masterpiece in directing and like editing. It's not my favorite film because I feel like it's almost too edited and directed that way. But like in terms of scripts, he's so good. And so that that she's worked with him, I think is really great because she must have similar sensibilities or at least this ability to work in a a very scripted way where everything pays off. I'm sorry. So how do you think that they that this pairing came together? I don't know. Do we know how? No, I don't. There's no information about how, you know, who found who and, and what that relationship uh, how that relationship bloomed, but um, we uh, obviously there will be behind the scenes at some point where we'll, we'll hear about that kind of, that sort of stuff. But um, um, yeah, she also, getting... she also wrote on Penny Dreadful, which I just found out. Oh, yeah, yeah the the first one, right? Not the one that just started. Yeah, wow. in 2016. Yeah. Yeah. I love that first season. Of that movie, that show is kind of amazing. I'm a big uh, Universal Monster nerd, so <laughs> yeah, it's a <laughs> fun show, show for, for that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, you know, I I'm starting to think, especially after watching the um the 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 directors today that what we've talked about a lot which is marvel or not marvel D, or, or um star wars and lucasfilm pairing up people i think that's starting to happen i think they yeah. just have this creative hopper of people that they want like they they see someone they they recognize talent and they grab them not with necessarily like this is what you're working on but like you were working on a star wars thing we want you come here 
And then, oh, we like you and like your sensibilities will probably pair well with Taika. Work together, right? Like just see how it goes. Yeah. I, th- I think it's it's modular and I think Ooh, they yeah. have a differentiated group of talent too. And so it's like, all right, maybe, you know, the coming series with Brian Johnson is going to be a little heavier. So we're going to have a little bit lighter series with Taika and then, yeah. you know, like to, to do some different things there. But also like Rick, I, I think um, Dave Filoni has a very unique job. He's got like the knowledge of the um, story group, like, you know, of pod you know pablo dalgo but he also has the sort of directing he has a direct tie to lucas which is i mean that in itself makes him extremely valuable and then now he has some you know this connection with um fabro i mean that obviously helped him here to get in on on this project but but he's he's like very much a lore keeper um for them and it looks like i mean he was like there was different directors filoni directed you know his own episodes but um, it looked like he was just around to just help people with that sort of stuff with like, you know, really get the lore like locked in. And that's a that's a valuable position. I look at John Kasdan as that kind of person, too, or like he could potentially be play that role on some sets. But I want them to keep John Kasdan around. I, I really hope they they keep him in that in that group. Yeah. I think I think he's very similar. I think he knows the stuff and he loves and he can also figure out where lore drops really well. I mean, yeah. not to keep talking about solo. Actually, we we're just talking about before recording. So it's the first time we're talking about it. But right. um, I really think the lore that not the lore drops, but the referent the, the 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 references in that movie are mm-hmm. some of the smoothest references in any Star Wars movie where it doesn't feel forced yeah. and and it doesn't like I'm watching it and and I remember seeing it in the, in the theater with you guys and and Carly and our, our some of our partners were there and like you all three of us would laugh where there was like a specific reference to something right and then like but it but you could see Carly just being like okay cool like not being thrown off by it right not right. like being like I don't get this like you can still get everything and there's these little bonus Easter eggs that are in there for you and he's so good at doing this I hope they hold on to him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he seems like he's he's. Oh, you, you're talking about um, Kasdan. Kasdan. Yeah. I mean, Filoni's yeah, there I feel like forever. Could, but, yeah, but Filoni, I guess, there's also like he's able to direct and tell a story and do you know a bunch of other things. And but I mean, there's no reason that John Kasdan can't do that stuff too. He just needs to be. I think. Given I like. I would like Kasdan for punch ups and and Filoni yeah. to to write more and direct more. And yeah. I, Ben, you mentioned he was he was there a lot. And and Carly had mentioned when we were watching this documentary today of like, wow, it was really cool that a lot of the directors were on each other's sets. Like it was yeah. a very, and then we were like, yeah, but Filoni literally seemed like he was always there. He I was think always if, there. Yeah, I bet you if you go back to the directing of all that, that Filoni, there wasn't a day that Filoni wasn't on set. Right. Well, they spent like of a 30 minute video, they spent like the first 15 minutes talking to <laughs> and about um, Dave Filoni. So he, he clearly had a pretty large role on this thing. Yeah. Yeah, he brings a lot of restraint, and uh, he's very protective of, of the whole property. And I feel like that's that's needed when you're dealing with this sort of story because you only want to broaden the galaxy. You don't want to like constrain it. You don't want to create complicating elements that are going to complicate storylines down the road. It's like there's someone needs to be a steward of that. But um, but back to what you guys were saying about comedy and, and um, Jonathan Kasdan. I, and, and using references within the lore, I think that is key. I think you're hitting on something that's like that's key. And I think writers in the future need to adopt this, which is like use references within the world to make jokes like, mm-hmm. like or or a sing joke or the Jar Jar joke in Mando episode five, the prison break, the Bill Burr joke, you know, like use the in galaxy references to make jokes because it's 
it's i don't know it's it's so much more rewarding i feel like it's it feels like you know uh natural for the galaxy yeah yeah um so then there was three other directors there in the room um Mm -hmm. and i i'm less familiar with these three than um you two are so i love this i learned a lot about them as uh deborah chow um rick uh, fumiwa and uh bryce dallas howard yeah um and anything you guys learned from from uh, uh, this interview from those three? Yeah, I mean, I learned a lot about all of them, but um, yeah. Rick Fumi Uwo was actually was really insightful to to hear Same. him talk. He talked about uh, how much he loves outcast stories and how much he likes like the stranger aspects of Star Wars and Enter the Jawas in Episode Two. Like that was yeah. the, some of the yeah. best Jawa content yeah. we've ever had. And I yeah, hope episode- yeah, I, I hope he gets a feature. I hope we get more strange creatures from from Rick and and his direction of those creatures because. He did great. Like that was incredible. Like I, I loved the rise of Skywalker, but the Akiyaki didn't like stand out to me the way that I feel like the Jawas and his story stood out. And like, yeah. I, I just feel like I, I hope he gets to direct more strange things in the star Wars galaxy. Yeah. Like, I, and I, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I feel like, so we have Taika Waititi and, and, uh, Rick, uh, Familia who, who both are, um, feature film directors. Right. 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 I wonder if part of this is not necessarily a tryout, but almost like on both sides to see, are you a good fit? Do you feel that Star Wars is a good fit for you? Do you work well in the system? You like it? Cool. Do you want a movie? Right. So I wouldn't be surprised if if he gets one as well, because I really do think um, they're all really great movies, really great episodes. But I think the ones directed by the feature film directors feel like feature films. Right. Like, I feel like they have that little extra touch to them that makes them stand out. Yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, I love the I love the whole um, uh, yeah. season, but it was really this was really insightful to see their process. And you're like, oh, I mean, episode two, I thought was just like a standout. It was amazing. Yeah. So good. Uh, I mean, I, I yeah, I think this is absolutely a tryout, but probably more like it's I mean, it's probably Favreau being like, I'm going to do this series. I'm gonna like they need talent. Um, would you want to do like, do you, yeah. I know you love Star Wars. Do you want to check one of these things out and give it I mean, because like. I was like, man, like after hearing him and his experience, Rick uh, Fumiua, I was like, how did they get this guy? I know. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, I mean, because, yeah, and he's he's amazing. And they all seem like amazing people. They uh, like get along fan, you know, really well. And um, yeah, I would love I would love yeah. any movie that guy wanted to make um, in the Star Wars galaxy would be super fun. I hope I hope that's a, yeah. an announcement coming soon. Oh, I appreciate that. I think John Favreau kind of mentioned that each of them have their own strengths and areas, and they're really starting to figure out which episodes pair with which person. Like, Deborah Chow is an amazing director, and she has, like, this workhorse mentality. Like, she's been directing TV and, like, really, like, like, premiere television, right? Like, feature film television. She did a lot of the Marvel shows. She did Mr. Robot. There's a ton other that she's done. Um, And so she – but she can come in and knows how to get a film – like get an episode done on time, everyone's happy, and like can direct action at a at, at yeah. you know Elite. feature films level with with a TV you know crew and budget behind you. Yeah. yeah, she said something great. It was like if I can't get my camera angle like the camera angle I want, yeah. I'm at least going to make it feel real. And I was like, yeah. wow, that's a really beautiful driving principle for any director to kind of dive into a story. And if you're not getting the exact angle you want, at least make sure that in the performances you're capturing something that feels incredibly real. But uh, her direction of action is unparalleled, I feel like. I mean, like, obviously, I, I forgot that Taike was res- responsible for the uh, the finale and uh, that whole, like, the Phoenix uh, Phoenix squadron, like, landing and saving Mando from the, the 
little dumpster he's in the container yeah. he's in yeah and that's a great scene and i was like oh that's awesome like that scene was some of the most interesting mm-hmm. slow-mo action obviously taika did incredible slow-mo action in thor ragnarok with the invention of an entire <laughs> lighting rig but um uh, <laughs> uh i love that deborah chow it's i love that she was like give me more stormtroopers she's yes. constantly just yep. like laying waste to stormtroopers and yeah. uh and she, she's I, like obviously, like killing stormtroopers. <laughs> yeah. and i was like that sounds like a lot of fun uh, but um yeah. I, I did hear her talk earlier uh, before this documentary where she said, you know, she was greatly inspired by John Woo and uh, and the action yeah. of John Woo flicks. And you totally see it in her episode. Yeah. Where, like stormtroopers are like flying through like carts and across, yep. across you know, streets. It's like, yeah, I, I, I really wires. See, yeah, I see it in her work. And I, I, I really love that sort of action with stormtroopers. I know JJ did some of that in The Force Awakens when. You know, the first thing to come out when Disney first bought the property, but it was kind of CG looking like the, the stormtroopers were like clearly CG when they were being blasted away. And it was like, obviously, it's yeah. probably a mix or maybe with you know, yeah. rigs and then, and then compositing. But no, uh, I was, making, I was making that. And that's the thing. Yeah. I was making that face, Grant, not because I was disagreeing, but because I was agreeing and thinking like I, I to me, it almost looked like when I watched The Force Awakens. It feels super wired. Like I feel like when they fl- when they blow away, in a couple of scenes where I'm like, you could almost see the wires as they were digitally erased with the way they were flying. Like I don't know how much wire work JJ has experience for it with, as a, as a, as opposed to like this TV show that when when Deborah Chow was doing it, like those explosions, and they <laughs> yeah. showed it with them on wires. Like she yeah. just knows how to make it look like that person's body is has no support whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they did show the explosion where. Um, the Mandalorian is storming um, the 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 place where the child is being held captive, yeah. Um, yeah. and the storm is there, and obviously he just mows through them. Um, but they showed an explosion as he sort of he sets the the detonator on the wall and then walks away. It was a massive explosion. <laughs> I know. I was, yeah. Their yeah, star yeah. of the movie was like right hiding around behind a corner, but like right next to the explosion. I was like, it I, almost... I, I bet at that moment he was glad he was wearing Beskar yeah. steel. It makes you wonder how much is actually computer effects because like so, or like or like post yeah. effects, right? Because so much of it that they showed and we'll talk about it when they do an episode on the special effects because I'm sure they're going to do an episode oh, on yeah. that. Like, like, I, you know, Car- I hadn't talked to Carly about the, the system they had used. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we we're watching it and she had the pause be like, whoa, 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 that's a screen behind them. That's not like and I'm like, yeah, like it's unbelievable. Like the when they're doing the razor crest and they're showing the star field basically. Yeah. reacts to how it's tilting like it's unbelievable yeah. yeah yeah and and dave filoni i mean that was it was incredible to see his process and he's just you know jumping into live action for the first time so he's learning the ropes but he has nailed it i mean and he obviously yeah. there's actually a beautiful lecture on youtube that you can go watch where dave filoni talks about kind of the the, the staging and the blocking of characters and how mm. george would do it and how he and how he was taught to do it how to represent star wars with masters and getting closer and and very classical it's a very classical style in terms yeah. of the, the the film the filming uh but uh the pacing i think was i think filoni brought a really interesting pace to the mandalorian and you see that in the first episode and you see that in you know in the episodes that he did where uh, you know, the Mando's moving at a certain pace. There's certain shots that just like really, really ramps up the tension. And I think he's he's kind of nailed almost like the the bounty hunter cowboy, you know, uh, rough and tumble heist uh, t- pacing that that kind of isn't apparent in some of the animation that he's done. It's kind of like yeah. this is a different pacing and different tone, and he's nailing it. And not only is he nailing it, it's like I'm totally immersed. Like it's it's incredible to see his process. And obviously, when he directed him in the uh, the Razor Crest. And the Starfields on um, on the volume behind them. That was pretty astounding to see that. You know. Yeah. It was making me 
It's making me a little seasick. I can only yeah. imagine <laughs> what it would be like in real life. I think that's why he was sitting down. He was like, oh, yeah. he's a little queasy. <laughs> um, but I want to say a little bit about uh, Bryce Dallas Howard, because to me, she was always the bit of the wild card of like, you yeah. know, interesting. Don't know. I mean, other than her role as acting, I didn't know a lot about her directing. And I think they did a really good job of showing that, like, she is an actor's director, right? Like, she takes a much more approach of like, I will like... You could. She didn't quite say it, but I've heard um, Kevin Smith do the same thing when he talks about directing episodes like Flash and Supergirl. He's like, someone else takes care of the special effects and the action, like yeah. th- that. They have a system in place for that. My job is to focus on the humans talking to each other and making sure what they're saying comes across emotes correctly. And I feel like she takes a, a similar approach being an actress. That she's more focused on the characters and how the characters are interacting with each other, which I think is really important for those. Like I was going to say smaller. And I don't mean that bad way, but like the less action packed episodes, the more emotionally grounded episodes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Dave, um, John Evro mentioned that she had sort of the toughest job of any of them. <laughs> and I never thought of it. He was, but he was like, you have a set with water on in it. <laughs> You know, it's it's out in the middle of a forest. You've got to use a giant mechanical element, which is the ATST that's in that yeah. um, thing, which I didn't, you know, never thought about. Um, so she she had a bunch of things to negotiate. I love that episode. To me, that I always think of that as like I think it's episode three or four. Um, but yeah, I always I think, think so. of it as the Seven Samurai episode. Yeah. Um, it's it's a you know thirty minute sort of homage. I- yeah, I will say it's my least favorite of that of that season, but it has nothing to do with the directing. It's more of like it, it, it was like because within five seconds I knew it was Seven Samurai. I was kind of like, yeah. OK, that's, that's a you problem and a me problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like people that have seen that a million times. But it's like it's, exactly. It, yeah. yeah, it's yeah. It, that trope never ages. Uh, and it, it's I mean, it's sort of fantastic that I don't know. I, I love the ATST in there. Um, yeah, that and, and that that was and there's some there's some great stuff. Um there was a scene in her. Did you catch it in that when, when they're doing behind the scenes and she was wearing um, dumbwaiters up to oh, her yeah. shoulders? Like, so no, she was clearly in the swamp, like in the in the muck with everyone else. Like, giving yeah, and yeah. Saying, yeah. Respect is, for that when I saw that. Definitely. She also had a fantastic anecdote which mm-hmm. was at the table with her other directors. And um, I, just real quick. So her father's Ron Howard. Um, and I guess, you know, she had some siblings, a bunch of, you know, their family had some young children in it and she was one of them. And so Ron was like, well, I'm going to just take one of them with me so that my wife doesn't have to watch the whole brood by herself. And he's like, we're going to Japan. (laughs) And he was going to dinner with George Lucas and Akira Kurosawa. (laughs) And she's like, yeah, I fell asleep. (laughs) But I mean, she's like, like, she's like, I remembered them murmuring around me. I was like, oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. You got that. Like, in your- yeah. So she mentions it. And then like all of them are like on the edge of their seat shaking, being like, and what is, they're like, and she's like, yeah, I was asleep. They're like, but did you get anything? Do you like anything? Do you remember anything? It's like a religious experience at that point. Yeah. yeah. That's like, that seems like the way a joke should start or something. <laughs> Three sitting down at a table. Yeah. And to what you were saying, I feel like Bryce really does nail relationships. I think that was the, the one episode where you felt like, you know, Cara Dune was being explored for the first time. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the, the the leader of the village, I'm not too sure what her name was. Uh, she, you know, there was there was real there was real emotion going but uh, occurring between Mando and that character. And I feel like that we didn't we didn't get a lot of that after that moment, after that episode. Yeah. Really not a lot of relationship building in that sort of yeah. way. Chemistry. You know, here's where I'll give credit to that episode. Now thinking back to it is that it's what a 35 minute, 40 minute episodes are short episodes. And he within one episode, he meets someone. 
And there's a moment where you actually think he's going to consider staying with that person and giving up. Yeah. Right. Totally. And and I think back to that episode and the the normal me would be like, well, that's rushed and paced poorly and I don't buy that. But I totally was in it for that 30 minutes. Like by the end of that, I totally accepted that he had met someone, felt a connection and was actually considering leaving his life behind. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, it was there was tons of gravity of that. I mean, she almost gets his helmet off. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, really sort of really sort of fantastic. And that that episode was totally necessary, too. I mean, I think. That for me, like they had to establish the fact that you can't just like hide from these biomarkers that they use to yep. track, you know, people they want. So yeah, yeah. Um, he can't pull a Yoda or an Obi-Wan and just sort of go into obscurity as much nope. as he would have liked to. Yeah. But so, someone is able to go into obscurity after, say, the downfall of the Republic. Uh, yes. <laughs> Ahsoka? Just the one and only. That's right. <laughs> And uh, maybe her opposite number, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we got the uh, final episode ever of uh, Clone Wars animated series today. That yeah. was uh, that was some big news. That's what I was looking forward to most because I could anticipate it. Um, and this was uh, titled uh, Victories and Death. Yeah. Um, and yeah, this rounds out the whole deal. Uh, when did y'all watch this? What did, uh, what'd you think? I watched it like three hours ago. So pretty recently. <laughs> pretty fresh. Got off, got off of work. First thing I did was watch Clone Wars. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I watched it this, this afternoon and, uh, it, yeah, it, it, it got me. I mean, like this, this choked me up a little bit and there, uh, Dave Filoni did share an image on social media of like, yeah. And I don't know if you saw, you've seen that image, but uh, mm-hmm. that just that drawing that he did, it, uh, it was. I want a just poster that, of it. Yeah, even I haven't seen it. Can you describe it to me? Yeah, uh, it's just a shot of the Ahsoka saber in the foreground on the ground, and uh, she is walking away from it. And it's yeah. just this kind of just this little sketch. It's just a kind of a maquette, like a, a kind of you yeah. know just a concept of what that might look like of her walking away from that that warrior's life and that path. And um, and that's kind of what this episode's about, right? It's about the the total fall of um, the the Republic, and then the, the clone troopers turning on them, and Rex and Ahsoka, you know, somehow managed to uh, the, the ship crash lands, and then they somehow managed to survive. And uh, and she is deciding that fighting is not the answer. And that's kind of this big message of that that piece, and it's uh, it's beautiful. Yeah. It's really touching, and it, it really mirrored what goes on in the, the Last Jedi with Luke and. Uh, and and how he just tosses the saber, searching for mm-hmm. the passive path, and she kind of does it in a very interesting way herself in this piece, and it kind of recontextualizes a lot of stuff. I feel like this was in the cards for a long time. I feel like Dave, Dave Filoni had known that this was the ending for years, years and years before he actually this was all animated out, yeah, and uh, and delivered to us. But I feel like this this contextualizes everything. Everything just makes so much more sense now. Everything clicks perfectly. Like I'm sure I'm sure now when we go back to Rebels, it's all going to fall into place and feel so natural. And feel like we'll we'll now have that piece of the story in our minds as as we watch Ahsoka's you know journey progress. And uh, hopefully we see her again in the future. And I think we we are going to see her in the Mandalorian, which it's really exciting to yeah. just for that for that rumor floating around and then. Uh, a lot of sources confirming it. It's like I I cannot wait to see the next story for Ahsoka because I know I know there's a lot more to come. And uh, we heard her voice in the Rise of Skywalker. I mean, it's she's here. She's she's Ahsoka lives right. She's around. And 
just want to see more. But um, yeah. this was great. This episode was amazing. I really loved the music. The music again. Kevin Kiner is just crushing. Yeah. with the music. It's um, fantastic. It's so yeah. different than yes. like John Williams, um, but magical. I mean, there's there's such, I don't know, such intense drama in this episode and the whole four episode arc. Um, but yeah, it, like a lot of synth elements that I love. Um, really just droning like tones mm-hmm. um, punctuated. There's sort of like these like like uh, there's arpeggiators. There's these like sweeping there's, rose chords and there's like yeah. satellite ping melodies, which is yeah, like, like, like airy bell like, synths. Yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. Totally. yeah. 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 One of my favorite like top 10 songs is Echoes by Pink Floyd and it reminds oh, that yeah. actually. Um, and, um, kind of a Blade Runner feel to me. There's a yep. lot of that kind of, yeah. Oh, totally. Definite, definite yeah. Blade Runner. Long, moments. airy, kind of soundscapey synth going this, on. I yeah. love listening to you guys talk about music because you're both more able to articulate music and I'm more of a, like, I feel it, but I don't have that vocabulary. And so, like, I had the same thought. Like, all I wrote was, like, the music's great. I'm like, well, I'm not going to say that because that's, that's a nothing burger, <laughs> right? Like, but I'm like, the, the, the music in these last four episodes have been above, above, and the core and the Clone Wars music's always been good, but it's really is really. And I think Ben, you hit the nail on the head. It felt cinematic without being just another John Williams copy, right? Which is sometimes what we right. get in these things. It was its own thing, much like the Mandalorian is its own thing. And so I really like felt so emotional in these last four episodes in the way that I don't normally get with the Clone Wars, which I love. And I think I think it's because it's the same really thoughtful storytelling with a cinematic and unique score to it that like I kept getting like it was pulling the emotions out of me. The score, it was really yeah. beautiful. It was almost like Filoni knew what he was going to get out of that score because there's mm-hmm. so many long moments and um, it, it was interesting. So I, I asked when, because I don't know, to lead into my own statement today, I finally got a man yeah. off. So like I, I've, I've had to work the past, I don't know how many may the fourths, um, and so, uh, I was free for most of the day and, um, I already knew what I was going to do. I, I think I mentioned this last week. I, uh, I watched uh, revenge of the Sith. Um, and then I watched all four episodes of the last arc of clone wars, um, before I saw obviously the last episode, because I really wanted to see those back to back and see what the parallels were. Um, and there were plenty, I mean, it was amazing. Uh, but not exactly the most jubilant day. It was a pretty, <laughs> pretty morose day, uh, like sitting on my couch being like, oh, and um, it was very enlightening. I mean, you can see there's like 20 times that you're just like Anakin, just if he just did the thing yeah, that a, that so a Jedi told him to do, he yeah. would like none of this would happen. And I mean, that continues on with like Maul when he's like asking, you know, um, obviously in Phantom Apprentice, which is like one of the most powerful, probably the most powerful um, episode yeah. in that whole seven season series. Um, but asks uh, Ahsoka to join him, and you're like, oh, that could work, until you figure, realize his plan is to kill Anakin, and you're like, well, she's not going to kill Anakin, man. Um, but if it was to kill Sidious, I mean, that would be a funny, that would be a great thing with the two of them. Um, it, was, yeah. it was strange to hear Darth Sidious named by one of the clone troopers in this episode. I, I was like, really, I found that really haunting and kind of powerful, where yeah. one of the clone troopers, I think Jesse or whoever it was, was just like, oh, you're de- you're defying a direct order from Darth Sidious, and I was like, wow, just for these troopers to have that name in their registry is like spooky. Like that is spooky mm. that they're just immediately, you know, taken right. to this new system, right? Of, uh, and this new leader. Oh wow, I didn't even catch that, but yeah, yeah. that is, yeah, yeah, that's really that just shows how deep that that programming totally. goes. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, I was 
Yeah. Oh, sorry. Um, why, don't, why don't you go, Adam? I've been running my yam. My no, no. Uh, so what I was going to say is like I like so this episode won me over despite my crossed arms watching it. And 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 here's the thing. Like, I love the three before this. And this one, I got into this prequel mode where I'm just like, well, we know how it ends. So now it's not a question of like, right. if, but how, right? And so I literally wrote this down. I said, this episode is fun, but it suffers from the same issues as all prequels because we've seen Rex, Ahsoka, and Maul in future Star Wars. The only question that remains is how they get away. And then it got to the end of this episode, and literally my next thing is, never mind, <laughs> right? Yeah, because right. because it does it because it does it in a way that I think sometimes, and we can get into debate about this. Ben, you just most recently watched the last episode of of, of the prequels. That sometimes that's why the episodes tend to be my least favorite of the Star Wars is because a lot of it feels like moving chess pieces and you're just like, this is how we have to get here. Yeah. Um, even though one of my favorite moments is still Obi-Wan's reading of um, you were supposed to save us, you were supposed to be like that moment yeah. still breaks my heart. Um, but I feel like so much of that in those series is just getting to where we know things to get to. And I feel like this does it in a way that I just, it really broke my heart in a way that I wasn't expecting. Like just that scene that, that the last five minutes of this episode yeah. is the perfect ending to this series, in my opinion. And so, so few series ever stick the landing. Right. I mean, it's a pretty simple story actually mm -hmm. set up over these four episodes. It's just, you know, yeah. Ahsoka gets drawn in to help the Mandalorians and help, you know, find Maul and Maul has his own like little mini rebellion. He's like his mini version of what Palpatine did, where he set the whole galaxy against each other. He just set one planet against itself um, to draw out um, Obi-Wan and Anakin. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, and then they both escape the end. Um, but I, it, for me, the most powerful part of this was that we get a moment to weep for the clones who are like yes, secretly totally. one of the bigger victims of this whole thing. I mean, you get that really dire moment between um, uh, Ahsoka and Rex and Rex, you know, she's like, I don't know what to do. And he's like, you don't know what to do. Like, I've been only bred for war. <laughs> this is my only purpose. And then it's going to be over. I don't know what I'm going to do. And then. It was, I don't know, they just made it so tender and real and like yeah. full of emotion at the end where he's just like, you know, he's like, we have to kill them all and just like do it. And she's like, Rex, like, th like th they may be willing to die, but I don't want to be the one that kills them. And that, that's like such an important distinction. in yeah, Star Wars. That, that that was my big takeaway was just like just how sinister Sidious's plan was and yeah. how how it caught everyone off balance and how it scarred the conscience of the Jedi. And that's that's yeah. key, I think. That's so key to this episode. I feel like because, you know, all these troops are programmed, these autonomous people, but people nonetheless are, are programmed to just kill a Jedi and the Jedi are forced to strike back at them. It's it's just, it's, it's going to mar them. It's going to make them feel marred and it's going to make them feel like they are going to go into exile. Like when you see Obi-Wan and Yoda just taking down clone troopers, it recontextualizes that whole scene. Like they have to yeah. do that. It's such a dark deed. They must feel horrible after they do it. And their exile just makes so much more sense after the fact. And then when you see that Ahsoka took a totally different path where she puts down the saber and she decides, no, I'm not going to kill these clones. You know, I, I see the life. I see that they're, they're people and they're, they matter. I'm, I'm not going to take that path. That is so powerful. And that is the victory. When this is titled yeah. Victory and Death, that is the victory. She chose the high road. She's not going to fall 
prey right. to, to Sidious's plan, which is, hey, you might be able to get out of this. If, if you're a Jedi, you might be able to survive. But hey, your conscience is going to be your conscience yeah. is going to be scarred. Like you're going to you're going to kill some people. Yeah. Exactly. Right. I mean, and she could have sided with Maul. I mean, the fact that she freed him at all was like really dangerous. Um, because if she had, you know, all, if you give him an inch, he's going to be like, well, we got to kill all the stormtroopers first and then we got to kill everyone, you know, and, um, and she could have sided with him and easily fallen down to the dark path. But she was like, she knew where to be like, she's so well grounded in the true principles of the Jedi that she, she could see that coming and be like, no, I'm not giving you an inch. You can go cause chaos and whatever. And even that came to bite her in the butt to sort of later in the episode. He's like, you wanted chaos, which is a great line. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, and, and then she had to sort of had to deal with him, but, uh, yeah, he yeah, had some yeah. great moments too, Maul. Um, you know, that's, I love that he got his hallway scene. I know that was last episode, not this one, but he got his sort of Vader hallway scene, which I think feel like is kind of a, an homage to Rogue One. Now there's yeah. probably going to be a lot more of those, but he uh, got another reactor scene that was very similar to Phantom Menace, the setting <laughs> at the, right. uh, it looked very similar yes. when he was having a fight with the, but so let me, let me hit on the Ahsoka stuff for a second, because, what this four episode arc, I'm just going to call it a movie because I guarantee you they're going to release it as just an edited together movie is what it did is I always liked Ahsoka. We've talked about Ahsoka. She's always been one of a, a great character and I really like her. I think this arc may have bumped her into being my favorite Star Wars character. Come on. Yeah. So here's the thing. I, I this the parallel storytelling between this and episode three is amazing. And I think the one thing that we get, especially I really, and Ben, you did this. So I want to get your thoughts on this. You actually watched all four in a row today. She had her temptation. Like Anakin had her temptation, like had his temptation. Yeah. And she passed the Jedi test to me at the end of this episode. And what makes me cry is that she is the truest Jedi Knight at the moment. She chooses defense she uses her weapon for defense through this entire episode. Literally, she's right. all she's doing is blocking herself and Rex so Rex can stun these people. Her goal through this entire episode is to save as many people as she can to win without using it in whatever. And she gets there. She gets to the end knowing that she tried everything she could to try to save these people, that she's the most Jedi moment. And she throws her lightsaber down and walks away. And it makes me want to weep <laughs> to no end because yeah, I feel like she passed her test. Like she is the Jedi. Like, the, like she should be the Jedi at this moment that that's left. Right. And then, and yeah. then she'd spend too much for her because she's so much a Jedi. She, the, she can't give up the fact that she, she still couldn't w- like save these people. I know. It's almost like if there was another Jedi Academy, she'd be a great person. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that that plays into the music as well, like where mm-hmm. you're, you're, those airy chimes are kind of the light, right? Like she is the light. Like uh, yeah. this is yes. the clearest yeah. example of someone who's in the light. And we even see that green convery, that bird at the very end of the episode. Yes, uh, it's called the convery. Uh, yeah, 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 and that's um, that's from the Mortis arc. I mean, that was the the yeah. sister who would transform into the the green convery. Nice. And uh, I, I think that that's an allusion to the sister and the brother, and I think Anakin representing the brother. And Ahsoka representing the sister, possibly a dyad in the Force, but also to to something you said in episodes previous, Ben, where you're like, "Hey, if Anakin and Ahsoka teamed up, do you think they would have been able to take down the Emperor?" And I say, "Yes." I say that. Oh yeah, that would have been the perfect duo to take down the Emperor to stop yeah. this from occurring. I, so. I don't think yeah. I don't think there's another duo that could have done it. That's you know that's what I'm saying. It's like if she had accepted Maul's hand there, I think her virtuousness would have won the day. And I think if if Anakin. Yeah. 
saw um, Ahsoka there being like, don't do it, Anakin. You, there's another way. He wouldn't have done it. You know, it was like on such a knife edge that any one of these variables tipping in the wrong direction could have um, could have saved him. And it just is just ultimately yeah. didn't. Uh, I've always gotten Anakin's jealousy and dislike or 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 not dislike, but but non-connection with Obi-Wan like they're from the beginning of the relationship, right? Like he's too young, shouldn't be whatever. I'll take him on whatever. Like it felt forced on like that, that relationship. Oh, yeah. And I get that while he's never felt like Obi-Wan's his true master, but the relationship between Anakin and Ahsoka has always been pretty true, right? Where I feel like he feels that connection, even at the last moment where we see that him pick up her lightsaber, right? Like, it's amazing what they do with the animation. You see nothing in his face. You see nothing, but you can. It, it just speaks volumes of what he's feeling at that moment. And I feel like you're right. I feel like if Ahsoka was there, he couldn't have turned in front of his in front of his apprentice in that way. I don't think he could have done that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He, he could probably do it in front of Padme. He could probably mm-hmm. do it in front of, definitely could do it in front of Obi Wan. Yeah, um, and certainly Mace. Um, but uh, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 so depressing. <laughs> I know <laughs> the the fall At, just like, the force be with you. But I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. I think I, I you know I, I think I mentioned Italian opera today. I was like like that's it just set up where yeah. it's like you're supposed to just hit these notes where you're like why over and over again, and it's just like it's this train crash that you can see about to happen and there's nothing you can do to stop it. But it's it's the I guess the glimmer of hope is Grant said before Ahsoka lives right. We know she makes it through. We know she makes it. Through. It's kind of actually nice that we got this little break because imagine if this completed the arc right. Imagine if this actually they they got through their seven seasons and they did Rebels and we got that amazing confrontation between Ahsoka and and Darth Vader in that episode of Rebels and then we were just like had to wait years to know if Ahsoka still live. <laughs> like, like now there's this nice, as much as I was like, like beating up on pre- prequels. It's kind of a nice thing knowing like, yeah, the dark, these are really dark times, but we know Ahsoka survives and we know she's around and we're yeah. around to the point of the man, uh, of the Mandalorian at the very least. Right. Like, yeah, right. That could be a really nice silver lining to the whole story. If sort of, she comes through and helps rebuild the Jedi order in the right way. And sort of, she survives her trial by fire or yeah, you know, dozens of trials by fire. Grant, you sent uh, an interesting text today that I thought you would have talked about by now, but it, it said, and, and I didn't know what it was in reference to then, and I didn't want to engage on it because I wanted to save it for here. But you said, I think I, they're playing with the idea of the dyad in this. Yeah, you hinted I, at I, that. I, I, I mean, I thought so. I mean, look at Maul and Ahsoka. That's a perfect example of the dyad, right? There. That's what I was thinking this whole day. I couldn't get your words out of my head through that whole thing, and I was like, oh man, yeah. Ahsoka and Maul are this yeah. weird dyad. Yeah, they're like this. They're they even share the same kind of color schemes as like the sister and the brother to a degree. I mean, obviously, Ahsoka doesn't have any green in her outfit, but like it's just the, just they they look like the patterns of this is what the pattern of what a light character would look like. This is the pattern of what yeah. a dark side character would look like very, mm-hmm. you know, sinister looking. And then one's very, you know, very angelic, almost like uh, otherworldly looking. And it's it's really it's that's a beautiful dyad example there. There's also the dyad with Vader and Ahsoka that I think is also yeah. prominent prominently featured where you feel like vader chose a certain path the path of the brother and then she chose the path of the sister and uh and it just felt like it felt like that was another example of sort of the mortis arc uh the dyad and um i think it's just throughout the episode throughout the whole this whole mini arc this last arc it's felt like a lot of homages to the last jedi i think a lot of like a lot of nods to that film and a lot of the, the, the themes and the messaging there, a lot of nods to the Mortis arc, I feel like. Mm-hmm. 
uh, again, I feel like the uh, and then just being able to tie this into Revenge of the Sith and and that whole journey and like it, it, incredible. Like I, I, it's honestly like astounding that he was able to to create so much content around the film that when you go back and watch the film now, the film is just you know uh, it's influenced by all these different beautiful images that you just saw. You know, and this this mini arc at the end and it make, everything makes more sense now. Everything just like everything just ties together so much better. And I'm so yeah. glad this, this all happened. Yeah. yeah. Also, did you, did you notice that like there was like a power flare up there? And I, it, I really loved the like subplot that like Maul could sense the dark side growing into that, like one like leverage moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I felt like he got super overpowered in, yes. in these episodes. So, I mean, first of all, there's the hallway thing. So he takes out a whole legion of stormtroopers without a lightsaber, which is amazing. And then, but then he goes in when he, when he, he literally pulls apart the hyperdrive of that massive, you know, star destroyer, um, with, you know, with the force. And I was like, Whoa, I'm like what this guy, someone ate their Wheaties this morning. But then you know, Ahsoka too kind of had it as well when she like almost pulled this shuttle out of the yeah. you know, there's that Ray moment where exactly she's pulling on Maul's shuttle trying to bring him back and like she almost if she wasn't getting shot at while she was doing it she might have pulled it off but um yeah I don't know yeah, but yeah. I, I, that was that goes, the, that goes back to like the Darth Bane the school of Darth Bane where he thought you know the force is like venom where it can become. You know, it can get diluted if there's right. too many force users in that moment. I mean, Jedi are being slaughtered all across the galaxy. Who's to say the force isn't fluctuating right. in its given pull and, and people can use more of it? That's or it's a dyad, right? Which is the, I feel like the dyad, which to me, as much as that's felt so like like um, nth hour addition to the to the series, it does explain some of the OP stuff we saw between Ray and. And Kylo, right? If there's two people who are part of the dyad, it amplifies their power. It's kind of this f- weird feedback loop, right? And so right. that might explain what was going on with Maul and Ahsoka just being interacting near each other. Like the part of the dyad, they, they have this feedback loop. Their power is amplified, right? Like I kind of love that. Yeah, I mean, as all those all those Jedis get killed, right? That she could be, you know, if it's really this law of conservation of energy in the Force, then yeah. um, she's, she's going to get super strong in it, that time. And it explains, like, in, in episode nine, Palpatine says, right, we haven't seen it in generations, the dyad. Yeah. But yeah. but they wouldn't know because the, we so rare. So if Ahsoka and Maul were a dyad, which why not? Right. Like, right. like they're both apprentices of really strong people. Right. They were both, both kicked out of their orders. They're both cast outs. Right. Like, I was about to say, like, yeah. perfect. Well, one so was we, cast out and one left, which left, makes sense right. for both character and both. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so so maybe the fact that, yeah, we haven't seen them in generations because these two these two dyads only met for a very limited amount of time because of everything that was going on around them. Right. Like Ahsoka and Maul only interacted for all of what, two days in the entirety of, of all of this stuff. So so, of course, their story isn't told because so many other things were going on, like literally their dyad connection happened during order 66 and the slaughter of the Jedi. So why would anyone know that even happened or remember it happened? Right. So it doesn't affect that yeah it also aligns with um rebels perfectly as you can imagine i just happen to be re-watching rebels now and um, i'm right there in season three when maul comes back and then they see each other for the first time and they just like there's just he calls her lady tano like in his sort of like super casual maul which i, I love that attitude he has yeah. like that swagger um and you know and it all stays really true and also then you see her um Actually, at the end of season two, you see uh, 
Ahsoka finally face off with Darth Vader, um, with, with mm. Anakin. And of course, that's a super powerful scene. And that's really the, the next time that they meet um, is, uh, you know, since since they're they're parting um, before. And it's uh, yeah, I mean, it's seamless. And it's fantastic. Uh, we see there's uh, Gar Saxon is is back. Um, and uh, yeah, pretty cool stuff. But um, yeah, pretty fantastic episode right here. I just so that, yeah. So that would mean there was a dyad, you know, uh, you know, a hundred years before, or less than a hundred years before Ray and Kylo. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you could argue Luke and Leia could have been a, a dyad, but they never really explored their, you know, their powers in the right way. I mean, Luke was the darker one, right? And and Leia was the more, you know. I, yeah, I like the idea that there are multiple possibilities for dyads. It's like nature versus nurture or nature and nurture, right? right? Like they both have to come together in a perfect situation for it to yeah. actually mean anything. That's right. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's, yeah, pretty interesting. So who knows? But I mean, and then when once you say, you know, balance is the way of the force, then, you know, a lot of this it can be sort of passed off as that. But um, sure. Yeah. Um, pretty, pretty great series on the whole. I'm looking forward after I'm done with Rebels, I'm going to go back through Clone Wars and nice and um, give that a proper rewatch. Yeah, I love that these four episodes happened and whether or not they package them as a movie, which they will. I am, <laughs> I have never been more sure of anything in my life. I, I'm more sure of this than I was that Taika Watiti was going to get his own movie. Um, I, was I did, hear, I did hear there's some playlists coming. I did hear that. Are there? Oh, yeah. Finally. I'm so excited for those. I will totally dine on those quite a bit. But I just, I love the fact that whether or not this package is a movie, that this will be part of my viewing list now. Like, maybe I don't want to watch all of all of Clone Wars, but I will 100% watch these last four episodes as its own mini movie. Yeah. Not even mini movie, movie. As it's a movie. Yeah. And and, and hopefully more, more so Katana in the future, because, I mean... Yeah, yeah, such a great character and so much more to mine, I feel like. And if, and just and to what you're saying, Ben, I feel like if they are going to restart the Jedi Order, I feel like she would uh, she would be the best to contact. <laughs> she would know the path. She would know how to guide them forward mm-hmm. to to a, create an institution that is more balanced. And I, I mean, talk about a super team, her and Ray, because Ray has the book knowledge. Which that also occurred to me. Oh, like, interesting. Yeah. Like Ray has the book knowledge and she has the dogmatic knowledge. Um, mm-hmm. Or Ahsoka has the dogmatic, like the, the practical knowledge of. of, of Ahsoka's you know, like Bran, <laughs> the memory of man. Oh. She kind of, well, I don't know. I, I, I mean, Ray is almost, well, it's weird because Ray has the technical right. skills, right? Yeah, yeah, and she she has all the books and the, you know and 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 the know how and she's smart enough to you know and strong enough to put this into play. But but the wealth of experience that Ahsoka has really pairs well with it. Well, Ahsoka can also be there to be like he she was present during the death of the Jedi Order, right? To be like, right. <laughs> to be like as a council member, to be like, no, no, don't do that. We did right. that, and this is what happened, right? Like like we can I can tell you what went wrong, right? Right, and, and especially yeah. Ray, who considers herself volatile, like Ahsoka can be like you know her moral compass. That's kind of amazing because I'm currently rereading the New Jedi Order books. Not rereading, reading the New Jedi Order series um, from the old canon. I just started book three. And every time I'm reading it, because I have the prequels in mind, I'm like, this is great. But Luke doesn't have any connection (laughs) to the old Jedi Order. So what's going to stop him from making the same darn mistakes, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
And so to have someone who was present to be able to guide and who was who was affected the most by the mistakes, right? To be able to like, this is what we need to avoid. And you could yeah. get a new Yoda in there too. Like maybe she like her ace in the hole is the child. <laughs> like the child just lives with Ahsoka for whatever, and then she finds Ray. Like Always now that it's safe. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. And exactly. we, we will pitch our 10, 11, 12 I know, yeah. uh, uh, oh. movies at some point. But I um I, I have to think Ray and Ahsoka could do some real good together. And I feel like if they wanted yeah. to go maybe purify like dark temples, I feel like Ahsoka would kind of create the game plan and Ray would go execute, you know, the the the, the act of purification or wh- whatever they need to do, whatever kind of Jedi tasks they need to do yeah. to to uh, to fight the darkness that's, you know, sneaking in the corners of the galaxy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very, very cool. Nice. So you're probably all now thinking, like, that's it. There couldn't be possibly more that happened today, correct? That's it. What else could have happened? Well, they released some new downloadable content for Jedi Fallen Order. Which is another dream of ours from many months ago that I'd forgotten about. And came out of nowhere. Like, this this is literally, I think I Googled, like, Star Wars news like we're taping at eight o'clock on Eastern time. So I think around four o'clock or around like six or seven o'clock our time, I Googled and didn't see it. And then right before we started recording at eight o'clock, so right at five o'clock, you know, Pacific time, I Googled and this stuff popped up. So I, I'm guessing um, they just dropped this because this is available now. Um, you can go right now. Please stop. Please finish listening to our podcast. Yeah, we not right, really, right now. We won't go too much longer and then go download it. But yes, it is available now. Um, you know, it's, there's not, there's no new missions or, or story necessarily, but there's, they added quite a bit. Um, they added, uh, some new skins so you can, um, make Cal, uh, the, um, the inquisitor Cal that we see. Oh, like, what, been begging brother? for that. Yeah. Brother or something. There, yeah. There's also one more lightsaber. They added one more lightsaber color that wasn't there previously. Any guesses what color might be available that wasn't? I Black. imagine red. 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 Correct. Oh, red. You uh, can give him a Sith uh, crystal, which it, is it, Do you amazing. get the Inquisitor lightsaber as well? The kind of uh, I didn't helicopter see anything, blade? I don't think so. I didn't see anything. I think I think it's just color for now. I didn't see anything, any skins on the, any new lightsaber skins. I think it's just the Inquisitor outfit and the red light and the red crystal, I think is the only thing. Um, you can do new new paint jobs for BD1. So there's a lot more like new paint jobs, new aesthetics, things like that. A million uh, more ponchos. Can we get more ponchos? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I did see some new ponchos. Yeah. <laughs> I think they did. Um, so Cal loves his ponchos. He's yes. a big poncho guy. Yeah. So the cosmetic stuff's really cool. The other thing I to me that's that's cooler is that when you go to meditation points, if you play the game, you go to these meditation points and you can you can do some training, you can do some other stuff. Um, but now they have these new challenge modes, basically. Um, so you can go to a meditation point and try to complete a battle and they give you, I guess, from it seems to be from what I'm reading that at specific meditation points, there's different challenges. So you have to go find them. Oh, and great. some of them are like, you have to complete this without getting any damage. You have to get this without, you know, by without getting any hits by killing all these people. Right. So there's new challenge modes that are available wow. for veteran players. You got to fight uh, Oingo Boingo on ex- expert di- difficulty mm-hmm. and mm. not take a hit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's funny. I'm very excited about this, but I, I, as someone who platinum the game, there's part of me that doesn't want to do this because I'm afraid that I'm going to get sucked back into this and have to do these super challenging things again. 
It's going to drive me nuts. I think this is going to give me the excuse I need to platinum the game. I'm because I, I needed to put it down for a while because I'm like, yeah. I know all these modes and I've been through all the like the trails and I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, what do how far do I want to do? I want to really search the galaxy for one skin for the, you know, for the yeah. spaceship, which is like all I really have left of that. But I think this will do it for me. Um, it's such a challenging game and, I, you know, it, I'll have to get the chops back up. But I think. I'd be interested in doing what this. What might help you do that is there's a new um, game plus mode. So you know when you end the game, you can you can keep playing to to get all the things. Yes. Now you can restart the game, but with all the skins and everything you've earned from your previous playthrough, like all of your lightsaber mods and everything, and all the, all your skills. I don't know about skills, but all the mods, all the all the skins and things like that. So you can restart the game and mod it out however you like, so that so you can do another playthrough, try to get everything done. I'm not sure about the skills that I have not been able to. I haven't been able to fly, fire up my PS4. I would do that because that would be at least it would be systematic. And I, yeah. I'm just not as good as you, Adam, at doing that on the way through. Like I just I'm usually like, oh, I'm gonna you know open up all the things, but I. I'm just really bad at sort of combing through. I'm, I'm now, you know, I did half of Borderlands three that way, and not, and then I'm like, but like the first half, I wasn't as thorough as I should have been when and when I could have been. And so I'm like, there's a bunch of stupid challenges that like I have to go back through and 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 do that. Ben, you're playing video games correctly because yesterday, while I was trying to wait for emails to come in, I spent two hours playing dominoes on Red Dead Redemption two, trying to <laughs> win three games in a row. So. I don't know who's winning life, <laughs> but all I know is it's not me. So keep doing you. Don't don't be me. Right. And Grant like finished the game within like what forty eight hours? <laughs> forty eight hours of its release. Yeah. Once I saw how hard the first temple puzzle was, the gauntlet was dropped, dude. I had to just go all in. Yeah. And just yeah. yeah. Just I I saw it. a like clickbait headline that I didn't click on um, that said you can actually f- win the game without finding the lights. Your first lightsaber with Cal. Oh, you wow. can, I don't crazy. know how you do it, but you can like you can not get a unlock the lightsaber. Amazing. Speed the run. Yeah, like, so. super speed run. I would I would totally watch that video. That's not something I would want to do personally, but I would watch someone do that. Totally. Um, one last thing that you can do in this this new version. And by the way, I didn't think I said this. I feel like now I'm like trying. I'm a show for the video. I, I have no connection to EA or PlayStation, <laughs> but I'm very excited about this. This is all free, by the way. If you bought the game, you can do this downloadable content. Uh, the only catch is, is to access all these things we talked about. You have to have completed the game, and I think most of these are only available if you do the plus playthrough. Okay. Uh, but the, the last thing that's available is a battle grid system. So you can actually create your own battles. And so basically from the from the videos and what I've seen is you get this almost like chessboard layout. They can choose different arenas and you can select different opponents and put them in different grids and you can make it as hard or as easy or you could just fight. You could fight like 30 stormtroopers or I don't know, 12 rancors or a ton of different bounty hunters. Like you can set up anything you want to try to beat, which is kind of amazing. That's really cool. I would love to put uh, Cal's master in a situation like that where I, hopefully he's a usable enemy because I you don't actually, know you fight yeah, him you fight awesome. him in the game you fight him I'm guessing talking about what yeah. Malik or we know what's that guy's name uh Cal's master I forget uh his name oh, oh he's ma- like his teacher oh, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the alien that I can't think of their name either but um yeah wow yeah he's awesome that'd be great but also yeah. um yeah the dark side wielder um in there would be fantastic or um his mentor in the game um all of their names i do not have i know hands on them, but uh 
Um, or yeah, his the new. Uh, it's like the, Merrick or something. Yeah, I, well, I said Malik, but it's obviously not Malik. Yeah. Uh, no, it can't be Malik because it's. I think it's Merrick. I think. I think it's Merrick. Yeah, Merrick. Um, and then uh, the dark sister that joins the squad. She would be a great playable character yeah. as well. And I'm not sure, but it does say that they have the battle grid does have a few unique enemies. So apparently they have they create some enemies that we haven't seen in a playthrough before. Oh, cool. So, yeah, I don't know what those are, but run through the I love the um, the bounty hunter um, uh, factor in that, too. Yeah, actually, that, that one when you get captured and thrown into the asteroid, that's like the, you know, Coliseum asteroid. Mm-hmm. A good level to sort of do some of this level up stuff you know, stuff. Be yeah, fun. it might be my favorite part so, of that game. Yeah, that was such a such a uh, surprise left turn. Um, yeah, um, one little note from Battlefront 2 step. I know it was sort of there was a lot to cover last week um, with Battlefront 2, but I forgot want to mention one of the best things of the new drop for uh, Supremacy in the original trilogy mode. It's the music. Mm. Music is outstanding. I, 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 I might be speaking a little too generally here, but when you launch a, a, into a game on the Empire side, they play the Imperial March. Oh, it's wow. just like right on. And like, there's people emoting and everyone's losing their mind and it's just like <laughs> then everyone runs out onto the battlefield and it's just like dun, 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 dun. It's awesome. And then if you're on the rebellion side, they play the um the uh Return of the Jedi Starfighter theme, which is uh, what's the name of it? Uh the name of the song Oh, the Re- Rebel Fleet theme. The Rebel Fleet. So the Rebel mm. Fleet theme. Uh, that's the best piece of music in all of Star Wars. It's so it's good. Fantastic. It is fantastic. Um, so that is, that's, uh, that's one thing waiting for you. If you're considering playing that you could drop in on co-op if you don't want to go full multiplayer, um, but supremacy is fun. And, um, yeah. And just playing the original trilogy for the music is worth it for me. Um, <laughs> speaking of music, another note that I, uh, I forgot, you know, and I don't think we talked about it. The really operatic score for, um, the death of Padme Amidala, you know mm-hmm. that. So when it's like her funeral procession, right. it's like this amazing opera score. That's the music that opens um, the Ahsoka. This last episode of uh, the Clone Wars. Oh, interesting. I knew that sound familiar. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't really coincide in the timeline correctly, but they just like decided to use that source music right there. Yeah, it's like just to like give you the feels. Um, because that piece of music is amazing. Yeah. And um, we did do a John Williams episode and really did a deep yeah. dive um, with cues and music cues. I don't have that episode name off the bat, but I six don't months? know. But it was it was July, the week of July 4th, 2019. OK, yeah. And I and I was about to say, because you mentioned that and I was thinking about that, too, is I'm going to on air just suggest that every July, the week of July 4th, we rerun that we do it no we just do a new one we do music of star wars like there's enough music and we could bring in things like the mandalorian soundtrack and some of the other stuff like let's just do every july 4th because that just feels like john williams to me connects with with being from boston like that's july 4th right and so so let's just do that every year we'll do a july 4th music special yeah that would be great i mean we could do a whole thing on um the music of the mandalorian oh yeah one of these Disney Gallery episodes is going to be about music. I can't that. wait. Yeah. It's like my work music now. I just I play yeah. that. I have all eight chapters on a playlist on Spotify. It's what I work to. Yeah, it's yeah. fantastic. I, yeah, I would do that, too. I mean, I, I'm a contract worker, so I'm technically a bounty hunter. So if I go <laughs> on my way to work, I would throw on the um, that the uh, Mandalorian soundtrack. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. 
feel pretty great about everything. Nice. What else? Anything else happened today? I think we covered most everything. We got there a lot a, of things. Yeah. There was a really touching uh, July, May the 4th be with you video that Star Wars proper put together. Oh, yeah. That was that if you want to cry, go ahead and play that. <laughs> yeah. It was really sort of timely and just sort of repeating the message of hope, but in a way that with a wink and a nod and, you know, and hit on everything. Like there was even a cutscene from Jedi Fallen Order in there. I was really impressed by that. Like it had yeah. all the cartoons, all the movies, The Mandalorian, Jedi Fallen Order. I kind of love that that it paid homage and to Rebels. Yeah. yeah. A lot of Ezra Bridger was in there mm-hmm. prominently. And we finally got some Jake Lloyd love where uh he starts off that trailer. And it's like it was yeah. super yeah. touching. Like hearing his voice again was super touching. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and I just I don't think they used his voice enough, or they they really use enough of that footage. And in this trailer showed that they are welcome. They're bringing it all back together. They're bringing prequels back in with the animation. There was the, it featured Rebels prominently. It featured you know Harrison Dula, Ezra, you know Ahsoka. Um, so I, I just love that they're bringing everything together now. It doesn't feel so stretched stretched thin and, and stretched apart and distant. And uh, you really feel like it's all one creative vision. It's all growing together, which is beautiful. So I was going to say, it's all part of one giant story. It really yeah. is. It was beautifully cut. There was a lot of like the, it was a lot about children and parents and children and hope. Yeah. And, yeah. It, and like it, just it, those messages, like right across all of the media um, were. Mm. Like, it may have wrecked me for reasons. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it was, yeah, I, that was the first thing I looked at this morning and had a good weep into my Cheerios. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of crying that happened today. I think we got a lot. Like, a couple of fines yeah, I had a pre- you know it's a successful May 4th if you cry a lot. Right. Um, one other random grab bag item from today. Um, ben Mendelsohn at oh, him right. list of um, former, you know, Star Wars alumni that uh, would be open to Open to uh, a return or a spinoff show, um, and he's a fantastic actor. Um, it was a it was a cool article. He specifically mentioned he's like I would be on laundry detergent commercials with Mad Mickelson for the rest of my life because he's such a <laughs> joke to work with. Yeah. And if he did do a spinoff, um, it would make sense to do it somewhere in the Catalyst period. Um, if you haven't read the novel Catalyst, I would and yes. I would definitely suggest it. It's um, it, it abuts right up against uh, Rogue One. It's it immediately precedes it um yeah. and it's it really talks about the dynamic like they were yeah. friends um Galen yeah. so and and um plus Frenick. Yeah. yeah plus there's some sweet uh, poggle the lesser action oh yeah if you're right, yeah. Yeah, if you're into a poggle the lesser guy like adam um you're in for a treat <laughs> but um, no it's really a great book yeah that could be it um he also brought up his um it, and i don't know if this was meant to be for the spinoff but he like he mentioned the story he really wanted to see in Star Wars. And um, Grant, I know you have feelings about this. Do you want to explain what what his vision was? Oh, I think he just wanted to see a rival empire that uh, would feud with the the empire, the imperial, you know, the, the imperial empire that we know about, uh, about already. And just a, just a rival for them, something that, that could be a, a, another fighting force that could match the empire and, and exploring that idea of maybe two empires going head to head. And um, I, we had talked about, and he even brought, you know, Carthage and Rome. Carthage, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, uh, we even brought that up, I think, like three podcasts ago when we were talking about, not three, probably four or five podcasts ago when we were talking about the High Republic reveal. And um, right. uh, I was talking about how this could, you know, be representative of the early, early, early Rome and, uh, and, and Carthage right. and, 
and and some of the the right, the, the rival you know faction the rival civilizations yeah. yeah yeah and uh, and the Nile even could represent that but um but interesting that he 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 would like to see that with the empire like mm-hmm. he would like to see something to be a rival force against the empire and i would say we do have something like that i think the chiss ascendancy is the closest yes. we have right. to that situation and uh i've been saying for years i mean a thrawn film live action yeah. series would be the perfect place to explore that concept of a kind of rival rival force you know with with war machines and a uh, military industrial complex like as vast as the empire yeah uh, uh you know and then that bat- that struggle between those two forces i think that that would be the best show for that that sort of uh that yeah. concept it's part of new canon the just ascendancy is in there we have three thon thron books we have a new yeah. trilogy starting this summer yeah we have right? all over rebels as well yeah it just occurred to me that they actually could do that story but it would happen in this sort of dead space that we have right now between Return of the Jedi and um, the, uh, the Force Awakens. Um, you could do something in the outer regions where the the Sith Eternal are have to fight off oh, its ascendancy in the unknown regions. Yeah, um, it's so kind of yeah. untold story. Yeah, right. Because we know that they have this strong thing and they've, they've built up this thing. But like they, they've built up the, that huge fleet. But it would be really interesting if there was a trial by fire out there and they actually had to had to fight off the Chiss ascendancy or finally have that reckoning. Because, I mean, with Thrawn, you just you always feel like the Chiss are just waiting for their right time to absorb all the the, yeah. the faculties of the Empire. Um, so it'd be interesting if they made their move and lost. I will say also, I just realized timeline wise, we totally could have a scene in something with Ben Mendelsohn or or Krennic and Thrawn together, oh, and yeah, I'd really fun. love to see those two wow. those two characters share a scene together because I think it'd be super fascinating to have them talk. Oh, you're right. They were both they were right? both like yeah. in the the high ranks. I at think the same yeah. Time. Because in that last Thrawn book, and I can't remember it was. Um, I have it next to me, and I can't even see it. Thrawn treason. It yeah. actually is happening during the last season of Rebels. Yeah. Which is when Thrawn's around. I mean, when uh, when um, Krennic is around. So actually, does Krennic show up in Thrawn Ascendance in in Thrawn Treason? I feel like I he might. I think he's mentioned. Yeah. I think he's. I think the Death Star program. I know Thrawn is deeply interested in the Death Star program, uh, and I think I think Krennic's even mentioned, but I don't think they make contact in the book. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty interesting, actually. And then they, I'm not sure how close, obviously the last time we see Thrawn is in the last episode of Rebels. Yeah. Um, and then we don't know. So it would have to happen before then, but they're butting up pretty close to uh, Rogue One at that point. They are, yeah. It'd be fun if the, the next animated series featuring, you know, uh, Thrawn, Harrison Dula, Ezra, Ezra Bridger, you know, Jason Sindula possibly, that sort of, that story was set after the sequel trilogy it'd be cool if an animation was the first kind of narrative to explore that mm. territory just after the sequel trilogy and you start you open up the galaxy slowly with a with an animated show and then we can a live, a live action can have years to you know to plan oh and you wanted thrawn in that thing yeah well? and thrawn could come back in a huge way yeah i mean that, that's what i'm talking about he, could, like, he could really come back in a way similar to how he did in legends novels actually exactly yeah that's what i'm trying to i'm trying to yeah create some sort of parallel to the legends that feels fitting for the old fans but also feels fresh and new for for new fans so 
to fact check moment here. So the reason why I thought it'd be such a great idea for Krennic and uh, Thrawn to have conversations. Oh, because they totally they, did. It's because they, they had the whole thing. They had several in Thrawn's it's, reason. Yeah, wait, they were <laughs> did they? directly yeah. against each other. Because it they were starts with them against, having a competition. Oh. They're competing against the TIE advanced. Oh, that's totally right. The uh, Death Star, yeah. To be fair, there's a lot of Star Wars books that come out every year. <laughs> But I love the fact that every time I think I have a great idea and I Google it, I'm like, nope, oh. I read that somewhere. Someone uh, somewhere there's like a listener just banging against their, like, yeah, their wall being like, what do you mean? <laughs> so <laughs> like, podcast course, that was the whole book. What I've learned by being a podcaster is that when you hear something on a podcast and you get super angry because you know the right answer or you know that someone's doing it, give the podcast some breathing room to see if they get there naturally. Right. And nine times out of the ten, they do. And you don't have a stroke like I used to have when I would get angry at someone yeah. doing what I just we got there. I, I said yeah. I think they didn't make contact. I didn't say like for certain they didn't I, make contact. <laughs> oh, let's Fred, let's not. You're try fine. I'm listen. the one who thought I came up with a brilliant idea. You don't have to protect yourself. I'm the one. <laughs> yeah. This would be amazing if damage I control. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh wait, that was the whole. They book. did. Yeah, that was a lot of the book there. <laughs> I remember now. Um, man, that's, I got to reread that book. I guess. Uh, that's crazy. I, I will say I'm sort of like right. It's like a, I have a shot glass of a brain and there's like a gallon of Star Wars knowledge. <laughs> and it's just like there's only so much that can fit in there at a time. And um, there's a lot clanking around. And I just my the way I do it is I just keep going back through. I'm like, yep. ah, I forget what that is. I'm going to go check it out. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll do that. But that's also why we're here doing what we do and why we love Star Wars, because there's so much fake history in Star Wars. It's impossible <laughs> to keep track of. Right. Well, let's talk about the future for a second, because I do love to wrangle facts in the mind. So let's just talk real quickly about what the new content we know we have coming up. Right? Yeah. Uh, so we have for we have Disney Plus series coming yep. up and um, we know we have this a second and a third season. They're signed on for a third season of The Mandalorian. Right. So uh, two more seasons of that. We know there's yep. the Cassie and Andor series with John yep. Tudyk, um, sort of Rogue One prequel. Um, we know we have an Obi-Wan Kenobi series, fingers yep. crossed, that's going on. It's and still then, announced, yeah. Right. And then we have a yet-to-be-titled or described-at-all series being written by Kelsey Meow Meow Meow. We talked oh, about it this week. Uh, Lindsay Headland. Lindsay Headland, thank yeah. you. Um, and, um, yeah, so we, we have that. That's just Disney Five Plus. shows. Five Disney Plus series, right? Yeah. There. And then as far as movies go, we know we have... A Ryan Johnson trilogy, we believe. <laughs> yeah, that's, right. that's what they keep saying. They keep calling it a trilogy. Uh, Kevin Feige standalone, at least. They keep using singular, but we'll see. Yep. In, yeah. in development. In development. Um, that we now have this Taika Waititi movie. Yeah. Um, so in feature development. Yeah. in yeah. development, probably pretty early there, and that is that, right? That's five, so that's five movies. movies. Which, if you think of it this way. It, the the next movie, which they announced two weeks ago, right, is still December 2022. Yep. We have movies. Let's assume they're coming out every December because I'm an optimist and think they're going to keep with that. tradition. Yeah. We have movies between now and, and 2027 announced, which is ridiculous. Yeah. And five series seasons of, of shows, four shows, five seasons even if they do the two seasons a year, which we might get to at some point, 
Like we're still also way far out there. Right. Like, like it, it's they could do one season and one movie a year and sort of see how that goes for a while. I could see them doing that. I mean, I would be down for you know two movies and two seasons a year, but you know, or two seasons and a movie a year seems right. Like- but that would mean like 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 Headland series wouldn't come out till twenty twenty seven then. Right, right, which is silly. You're right. <laughs> right? No, two it's seasons, be two a, seasons year is a year is Yeah, they're always they're just like eight weeks, right? Each, so it's it's a very small portion of the year. Which, if we look at what they're doing with um, Marvel, I think they're doing like two series a year. So I think we're going to go between two and three, depending again how successful it is, right? If Mandalorian keeps going as a hit, and then like and these other ones are hits, they might do three seasons a year because you could totally do a winter, a summer, and a fall series pretty easily. Yeah. Well, they already have the technology, right? Like the the Mandalorian utilizes the volume. I'm sure the other shows will too. Yeah, uh, I think that's the point. The point is to keep advancing the technology and keep creating these series, uh, and as many as you can, and keep innovating. I think that's and incubating these new artists for live action features. Yeah. I mean, this is what it seems like. It seems like all of this is an incubation for the films, which are the yeah. major showcase. Which Star Wars has always been a showcase, a theatrical showcase. And to find uh, a kind of school of Star Wars like this, to create a school of Star Wars like this for filmmakers to then jump into live action and create these big showcase, you know, feature length yeah. films. Like that's what I think is going on here. And I think like I think we just have so much content ahead of us. Great. I think you hit the nail on the head. I think Disney Plus for either Pixar, Marvel or or Star Wars is a break even thing. Right. Like they just want to break even to raise their awareness of this stuff because the movies is where they're going to make all of their money in the world. Right. So I feel like that's right. Like they're just, that's why they're spending so much money on these series. Like I still can't believe how good the Mandalorian looks like it's feature film. Incredible. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm sure they'll keep it up. So, um, I think that's that everyone. Um, thanks very much. Um, hope you had a fantastic May the 4th. Don't forget tomorrow is revenge of the fifth. So if you want to keep (laughs) the party going, um, please feel free. Day of the Sith. (laughs) (laughs) Tried something there. Yes, that was good. Um, Yeah, we got it. And then uh, we'll be back at you on Friday of this week with what yet, but um, I'm sure all will be revealed. Yes. Thanks very much for listening to us, and uh, may the 4th be with you. This is Grex Kondak signing off. For the latest breaking news, follow at Core World News on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you, and good night. Remember, the Force will be with you. <laughs> <laughs>